Hello, and welcome to the Michigan Murders. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. All right. Should we just hop right into it? Let's not... Sure. Let's no right dilly-dallying to today. Let's just... No. <laughs> what you got? Well, today, it's not much. I read, like, four articles, and it's all basically repeating the same exact information. Um, I found from a couple, like, click on Detroit and M Live. I got as much as I could, but this is the murder of Bashar Kalibat. That's what I, I looked up the pronunciation is. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. It's, I, I tried. But Bashar Kalibat was a well-known and beloved hairstylist in the metro Detroit area and was nationally known for his work. One terrible Tuesday night, Bashar Kalibat checked into the Jay-Z uh, motel on 8th Mile Road in Detroit. He is believed to have arranged a meeting over a dating app. They haven't said for sure one way or the other. They just keep saying that that's what they think. Hmm. But he had uh, arranged this meeting over a dating app with Jimmy Jermaine Pickett. He had paid for Pickett's lift to the motel and they met. Jimmy Pickett stayed at the motel for several hours after being dropped off by his lift driver. The manager of the hotel later received a phone call from an employee saying that something was wrong. Something was indeed wrong, as staff members found Bashar's body, and his cause of death was later determined to have been from blunt force trauma to his head. Officials stated that Pickett went into the room at about 10.31 p.m., killed Bashar, and took his personal property and then left. The Jay-Z Motel is a Project Greenlight business, so police were able to get a clear look at Pickett on the cameras in his security guard's jacket, which helped them to arrest him about 12 hours later at work. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jimmy Pickett was tried and found guilty of second-degree murder, and a month later sentenced to 45 to 60 years in prison. Bashar's family said that he had plans to open a new salon with his salon partner, Shannon Newman, who was out of the country when she heard the news on his death. Newman said through tears, it's very emotional right now, and he was an icon. She also described him as a good friend and amazing father. She said he was magical. He was just a magical person, and his energy was just so uncanny. And that's, unfortunately... All that I could find, I I wish they knew more on why or what was going on. But from all the articles I could find, it was just the same set of information. Um, you know. But it was all very sad. Yeah, part of me wonders, is that just a way to rob people? Or is this like a, if he wasn't caught, would be a serial killer kind of situation? Yeah, that's what had me wondering as well, because like, I'm thinking like, if he did meet him on a dating app, is that what he was doing? Targeting a specific group of people? Like, was it maybe men looking for other men that he was targeting to steal from? Or what was it? Like, why? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it does seem really odd. And that makes me wonder like, okay, is that a first time? Has he done it before? Is it men and women? Like, I'm really curious as to what his plans were. Yeah. I tried, but unfortunately it didn't want to 
They didn't want to cough up much. I don't think he was really much into talking about what happened. They just kind of like had the evidence and it was just like, all right, I think. Yeah. Like, all right, I did it. <laughs> That's all there is. Hmm. All right. Well, the the story I'm going to talk about today was a listener request on Facebook Messenger. So um, thank you, Sarah, for listening and for sending a suggestion. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and this story is, at least for me, I felt it was even sadder because it involves a teenager that was killed. So, you know, a child. Um <sighs> So that's kind of what makes this whole thing. And, you know, just reading news stories, the more I got into it, the kind of, I don't want to say the crazier it got, but there was a lot of stuff that was going on with the case that I was surprised because, I don't know, all these cases, I just don't remember hearing about them. Um, You might, but on Saturday, October 21st, 2000 in New Baltimore, 16-year-old Justin Mello was shot and killed during a robbery while working at Mancino's Pizza and Grinders. His body was discovered in the... Here's kind of where it gets weird, too. I've seen fridge. I've seen freezer. I've seen cooler. So one of those is where he was found. Police said they found a spent shell casing near Justin's body, and he was forced to kneel before he was shot in the back of the head. Oh my gosh. Justin was working by himself as a minor at night. So oh that's a God. that's a main issue for that. For me, yeah. Was letting this child work by himself. Three teenagers, 19-year-old Frank M. Cricken, 18-year-old Jonathan Paul Khaled, and 16-year-old Matthew Joseph Daniels were originally charged with Justin's murder just under a week later. On Friday, October 27th, Kellett and Daniels were both reported as dropouts from Anchor Bay High School, where Justin was a student. At the time of their arrest, school superintendent Leonard Woodside said Kellett and Daniels had disciplinary problems. Woodside said Daniels dropped out of school in January of that year and Kellett left October 10th. Cookin was described as new to town. According to the Already Gone podcast, John had been heard talking about how Mancino's would be a good place to hit for a robbery. And Frank's car also looked like it had been one that had been near Mancino's the night of the robbery and Justin's murder. And it must have been enough because they were brought in for questioning and an arrest warrant was issued and the boys were arrested on October 26th, five days after Justin was killed quick yeah and the suspects were charged with armed robbery conspiracy to commit armed robbery and felony weapon violations district judge paul cassidy ordered the three teens jailed without bond john kellett and frank cookin confessed to the murder to police with john confessing to killing justin and frank confessing to being the getaway driver however john and frank later recanted claiming they were bullied by police to confess the thing is, Khaled and Cookin had alibis. Their friends claimed they were at a party that night. There was also not really any evidence putting them at the scene, like DNA, fingerprints, or a murder weapon. 
John and Frank's so-called confessions also didn't match up with the facts of the case, like what position Justin was in when John supposedly shot him, and John saying he made a late-night pizza order on his cell phone when the call that was made was from a gas station. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Despite taking back their statements and what seems to me to be a significant lack of evidence, the police, prosecutor, and others felt they had the right suspects, and they were held for months while they waited for trial. And this is John and Frank. The 16-year-old had his mother with him because he wasn't allowed to be questioned alone, and that's probably the only thing that saved him was having a parent there. Well, the other two were you know, 18 and older, which meant they could be questioned alone. And oh my gosh. being young teenage boys probably didn't know they could ask for a lawyer and not say anything. Always ask for a lawyer. So all of this changed when, in April 2001, another man confessed to Justin's murder. David Bowman, formerly of Chesterfield Township, confessed to killing Justin during a crime spree with Dennis Bryan, formerly of Ira Township. And despite the confession by Bryan, Macomb County Prosecutor Carl Marlinga said, had Bowman not confessed, we'd still have a very good case. These two are not in the clear yet. Despite things not matching up. Like, bro. And this other guy confessing. Right. Like, it it doesn't seem to me that they had a good case. At all. Yeah. As as someone, if I was in that jury and, you know, hopefully hearing from their lawyer that, hey, these things don't match up, I would have reasonable doubt in that case. Absolutely. So I don't know what good case he, you know, he thought they had, but. It's what he wanted to have. Yeah. And I understand it's a 16-year-old who is brutally murdered, execution-styled, shot to the back of the head. I can see how you would want to find who did it as quick as possible. Right. But when things don't match up, kind of makes it difficult. Right. And you don't want to arrest some child or children in this case that had nothing to do with it or a very likely chance of having nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I get you worked hard at trying to pull that confession out of them. Yeah. Probably took a while, but come on. And base what sounds like a lot of hearsay. He said that it might be a good place to hit or someone said they saw somebody's car there. Like those things don't match up. And I I can see how even with the confession you'd be like, "Okay, case closed. We got it." But it was rough. It was a, you know, they don't hold you for just a little while. They can hold you for, was it 24, 48 hours before you're charged? Yeah. So I can see how any young boy or boy, girl, anybody, even an adult would break down after a certain amount of time. Oh, absolutely. Jonathan, Khaled, and Frank Cookin were released after Bowman and Brian confessed. A Macomb Daily article from February 15, 2006, reported that Bowman and Brian were serving life sentences for an August 2000 murder of a gun shop clerk in Virginia and a Subway sandwich shop worker in Florida about three months prior to Justin's murder. So they were on some crime spree. They were doing this all over the place. Bowman and Brian were caught committing an armed robbery in Kentucky in late November 2000 and were immediately suspected in the Virginia murder. 
At one point, Bowman and Brian offered to plead guilty in the Mello murder in exchange for a promise to stay in a Michigan prison. However, the prosecutor's office rejected that offer because of the difficulty of moving them from prisons in other states. Essentially, there's just too much red tape to make that promise in a plea bargain. John Khaled later appeared on the show Dr. Phil about false confessions. Five days after Justin's murder, around 30 officers and FBI agents swarmed John's family house and took him in for questioning. At the time, John was 18 and considered a legal adult, so they didn't have to have parental consent. John's mother, Cheryl, came home from work that day and said she knew something was wrong because John still wasn't home. In the interview with Dr. Phil, she said, I called the police several times. An officer told me John was helping them with this investigation, that he was a fine young man. <coughs> he said, don't worry, he'll be fine. I never in my wildest dreams thought they were questioning him for the murder. Wow. The absolute gall of these guys. Yeah. And I get not wanting to can't really talk about it when there's an investigation going on, but to outright lie to his mother. Yikes. Right. John said, I kept telling the police I didn't do it, and they kept saying I was a liar, getting in my face, yelling. I was very scared. They kept coming at me and asking me like 10 questions at a time. They asked me what I was doing that night, and I told them I was at a party. They told me that I killed Justin Mello. And they said I was either drugged or I blanked out. He said I started thinking back that maybe someone slipped something in my beer that night. They were telling me to come clean and that if I did, they would help me out. I was crying and wanted to talk to my mother and they kept telling me that my mother didn't want to talk to me because she knew what I did. I felt completely cut off and totally alone from everybody. John was questioned like that for about six to eight hours. <laughs> no wonder the kid said he did it. Yeah. That's so locked at making you completely doubt yourself. Gaslit the hell out of him. Yeah. And apparently he had been doing drugs. So between that, drinking at a party, they had him convinced that he did blackout and do it. Oh my gosh. John's mother, Cheryl, thought that when John was released after the real killers confessed, John would be free. But he had a hard time putting his life back together which is understandable since it had been about 178 days that he spent in jail, just waiting for trial. And even after that, some people still thought John was guilty. <laughs> John said, even though I'm innocent, my life is still pure hell. I haven't been able to get a whole lot of work. People find out what happened and then they judge me. I've had people try to fight me. People stare. Kellett in the estate of Quicken, who was since stabbed to death, Gained settlements of about $300,000 or more for wrongful arrests. And you did hear that right. Quicken was stabbed and killed October 27, 2001 at a Warren apartment complex. His killer, Jeff, and I'm, I might butcher this last name, uh, Mikaj, 18, was out on bond when he assaulted two men with his brother, on October 12, 2002, during Central Michigan University tailgate party. Zeph and his brother attacked and kicked the two men until they were unconscious. A Warren district judge ruled Mikaj acted in self-defense and dismissed the manslaughter case of Quicken. But a Macomb County Circuit judge 
reversed that decision and ordered he be tried in Quicken's death. Yeah. So somebody that actually did kill someone was let out on bond to then assault <sighs> two more people. I, I don't get it. Bowman and Brian pled no contest to killing Justin and are serving life sentences in other states. They were said to be surprised Kaladin and Cookin were charged with the crime. Justin Mello was a much-loved son and student. And I didn't realize until I looked at his birth year that him and I would be the same age. Just, you you oh think about gosh. a 16-year-old. I was like, I was that age at that time. Could you imagine that happening to 16-year-old you? No. It's crazy That's to just think about. crazy. Yeah. Justin is buried in the St. Mary's Cemetery in New Baltimore. Mancino's was fined for allowing a minor to work without adult supervision. Not much, though. The, the amount the company was fined is really disappointing. The cook was fined $500 and the company was fined $1,000. Yeah, I will say that happened a lot. Um, It's crazy hearing Mancino's so much because... In Grand Haven, that is my favorite restaurant to exist. So I go there like multiple times whenever I visit home. I do love a Mancino's pizza grinder. Mm. It's true. Yeah. This is not there, an ad for them, I, by the way. No, definitely not an ad. I, <laughs> definitely not an ad. But I remember when I worked young, and especially like back in that time frame, I was left alone very underage, working long shifts that were very not legal Yeah, to be given to young teens. I was like 14, 15 years old working like double shifts. Oh, wow. Alone, running a pizza shop. I know there was one that I worked at. It was half pizza shop, half video rental store. And I would have to run both places. The only person, 14, 15 years old. Isn't that insane? I feel like when we were growing up, it was like an extension of the the 80s and 90s. It just kind of continued. Yeah. Because there's stuff we did as teens that we never should have. No. I was selling alcohol to adults. Yeah. And when I told them, oh, but I got homework. I've, I've got school tomorrow. They're like, bring it with you. Do it at work. Meanwhile, there's no time to do it at work. I, 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 when nobody was ordering pizzas and I'm sitting at the desk, I'm sitting there waiting for people to come in, just doing what I can on my homework. Yeah. Like, I remember specific things that there's no way. Yep. And I worked at a store with no cameras, no security system. <laughs> Same. Closing late at night. Yep. Yep. But I had a lot of sources for mine. <laughs> There's, there's mm-hmm. quite a bit. LA Times article, MitchAlbum.com. Apparently he wrote an original story about it when that came out. Mm-hmm. Macomb Daily, Dr. Phil. I found out about the Mancino's fine from PizzaMarketplace.com. Oh, wow. Our Midland.com for an article. And then there's Already Gone Podcast did a story on this too. I think they did a two-part. It... You could really get into this. Like, There's a lot of information from certain places you could get it from. And yeah, so they managed to do a two part on this. So Wow. I don't know why. I never, like, I'm surprised I never heard 
about it then, but I was very much not watching the news <laughs> at that time. Yeah, I wasn't either. I was just listening to radio and watching MTV and... Ho- yeah, homework, sports, all that other teenage stuff. Running yeah, around, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't watching the news. Oh but surprisingly, gosh. some of these cases, you can just find a lot of videos. Like, you just Google, and a lot of stuff will come up. In this case, I felt like I really had to search for yeah. more in-depth information. Other than about the time of the... Um, the other when the other two guys confessed, mm-hmm. there was some from that time and when they were being charged, but there wasn't really much I could find from, you know, when it happened or right after it happened or yeah, I wasn't seeing any news stories pop up automatically. So, wow, yeah, what just doing research wanted to be difficult this time around for us coming yeah. back into Michigan and Michigan's like, gotta be quicker than that. You got to work for it. Yeah. And if if I would have taken the time, I probably could have written something much longer. But that's the basics of the case right. anyway. Man, I'm glad that he was at least released. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, it was crazy that those two teenage boys and the one gets released. And I think it was less than a year later, he was stabbed. It's insane. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Be safe out there and watch out for the crazies. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The music titled Teller of the Tales was provided by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incomptech.filmmusic.io.